changed in the last, oh golly, it, it, you say five years it's changed, but, but I'm kind of thinking with, with Reed and I, the, the world has really changed in the last 40 years ago. Let me, let me illustrate that. 40 years ago, Reed and I were engaged to be married and, uh, the, the second semester of college came around and she ended up going home back to Grantville, Kansas, outside Topeka, to, to get a job so she could support me later on. Uh, but she went back to get a job, to save some money for our wedding that was coming up and so we could kind of get, get life going together. And, and let me illustrate how different the world was back, back then. Uh, so for five months, basically, we were separated between when she went home, almost six months, and, and we got married. And, and, and if you wanted to communicate 40 years ago, now this is a foreign idea to some of you. Some of you are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But 40 years ago, if we wanted to communicate, it wasn't necessarily an easy thing to, to happen. What we would do, our major form of communication was, and I'll explain, I'll define this so you know what it means. We would write letters. Anyone know, anyone not know what that, that means? We would, what writing a letter consists of is you take a piece of paper and you would physically write your thoughts and comments and questions, the passions of your heart. You'd write those down. You'd put them in an envelope and you'd address it and you'd send it. Three or four days later, it would arrive to the person that you'd send it to. Uh, and that was our main way of communication. I know some of you are thinking, well, well, why didn't you text? It wasn't invented yet. You know you're old when you start saying that wasn't invented yet. Uh, well, why didn't you FaceTime? Can you imagine taking one of the old phones and, and, or, or well, I was in college, so it was a, a, a pay phone on the dorm wall and, and trying to, how do you FaceTime with this, this, uh, you put an extra quarter in or what? Uh, there, there was no FaceTime. There was no, you know, sky, there was none of that. In fact, do you guys remember this? You're like, well, why don't you just talk to her? It was expensive. It, remember, you had to call after 11 o'clock or on weekends, if, and that still was expensive. It, unless you were five miles from the person you're talking to, it cost a lot of money to talk. So our main re, our main way of communicating was was via uh, was via writing letters. Now, now let me explain something. I know that sounds for some of you unthinkable and archaic, and wow, must have been must have stunk to be you back then, but. But there was something amazing about communicating via letter. You guys that have done that know what it means. When you went to the mailbox or, or the, uh, or the mail was delivered in my case in the dorm or wherever it might, when, when, when there was a letter waiting for you and you glanced at the letter and you saw your name and you saw the, the return address and it said Rita Renfro, Grantville, Kansas, there, there was an excitement. There was a, Oh, just a thrill when, when that letter came from someone that you knew, in my case, came from my fiance. I would rip the letter open. And my favorite part of reading that letter was the start, was the opening part of letter. The opening part of the letter was where, where all the good stuff was. That, that opening part was the I miss you part of the letter. That opening part was I love you so much. Uh, part of the letter. The opening part was, I can't wait till we see you again. And sometimes I can't wait till I can afford to call you again. Or, or that opening part of the letter was, Oh, I, I saw this and it made me think of you. Oh, that opening part of the letter was so powerful. So if you will imagine with me, for some of you that, that are sitting there with letters, man, that stuck. Can you try to at least believe or understand what it must have been like back in 
the day of the New Testament, back in, in Paul's time. And so imagine, if you will, the church at Philippi. We're starting today a series that will run a couple months at least uh, as we walk through section by section the book of Philippians. And, and, and I want you to imagine as we read the opening verses here this morning, uh, uh, as, as, as they said in either a large group setting or it could possibly have been a bunch of house churches all throughout uh, the, the city of Philippi as they sat down and opened up this letter that Paul had sent and it was read to the people there. This, this letter that, uh, as you see later in the book, a guy named Epaphroditus had, had taken back to the church there. And as they read that, you can imagine the, the excitement that they had because at the start of the book, the start of the book, there was some powerful stuff just like with the start of a letter that I often receive from Rita. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Uh, and, and we'll just start with the first verse there. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God. I tied the sermon today. I thank God. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and what is pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of the Father. We're going to look at three things here this morning. Here's the, the first one. This is kind of a, an, an obvious thing, but but let's, let's look at a, a little bit of this closely and see some, I think, some powerful stuff. The first thing we see is the personal greetings. That's there in, in the first two verses. And, and he starts off, and actually Paul follows a rather traditional, uh, or rather standard outline of how he, how he addressed letters when he wrote to churches or to individuals, individual churches or groups of churches in an area or individuals. Paul, started most of his letters pretty close to this way or very similar to this way. So it's fairly fairly standard greeting that he started. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus that fell by together with the, the overseers and the deacons. Grace and peace to you from, the God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We see a couple things. First of all, this is obvious. We see the sender. Uh, we, we see who sent the, the letter. Now, I've got to be honest with you. When I open up the book of Philippians and Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Timothy. When I open them up, oftentimes I skim, if not altogether skip the first couple verses because it's just a greeting. Now, I think that's okay if you're familiar with what that greeting is, but, but don't miss how powerful it would have been, how powerful it would have been for them. See, see, in the letter, Paul identifies himself, uh, uh and, and, and identifies not just him, but Timothy, and there was great history between Paul and Timothy and the church there. The church at Philippi, when they knew that Paul had sent this letter, would have been excited. When when I received a letter from Rita, when when and I usually didn't get much mail, but if there was a letter there, the first thing I did was look to the return address. And 
There it said Rita Rimfo. Or, or if it was turned upside down, I would see the lipstick kisses on the back of the envelope. Did you ever do that? I don't know that. Yeah, she did. <laughs> I think she did, but uh, or maybe my roommate did that just so I think she had done it. I don't know, but 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 the, the little hearts that she had drawn drawn on it and the I love you. Did you not do that, boy? She. I so I looked for the return address and it said Rita, so I got excited uh, uh, about it. So you can imagine how excited they would be for for you. Let's let's take it into the into our present day for you when when you're waiting to hear from someone that you care about your your fiance your boyfriend your girlfriend your husband your wife a good friend that you've not heard from you you know exactly what i'm talking about your phone dings and you look down you've got a text and you see the picture of that loved one you've been waiting to hear from your heart skips a beat or 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 the phone rings now when rita calls me the song brown eyed girl comes up because look closely in her eyes as you go out today she has brown eyes and and so when that song comes up, I know Rita's sending me, you know, Rita's calling me. So, so you get that, you know, you got, oh, I've got a call or a FaceTime from my special one or, or the email pops up and you see their address with that and you know, oh, they've, they've reached out to me. For the church at Philippi, when, when it started out, Paul and Timothy, hey, we're the ones sending this to you. Man, their hearts, their hearts were touched because Paul was the father of this church. Now, we don't have time to look there today, but if you want to see some of the history, go back to uh, Acts chapter 16, and you'll see the history of the church. That's where Paul first went to because the because the Spirit was led led him to go there. He received a vision from a man from Macedonia calling out to come over, and Paul Paul obeyed that and and ended up in Philippi. And Acts chapter 16 tells us about what happened there. And Timothy was one of his companions on that. There there was a relationship between Paul and the church at Philippi and it was a relationship that had continued because we learned from chapter uh, chapter four that they had actually supported Paul they gave financial gifts in fact Epaphroditus had gone to be with Paul and taken a financial gift as well as was going to stay with him for a while to to just meet his needs while he was in prison Uh, and, and so there was there was an investment there between Paul to the church and the church to Paul and the reality is they, they were close to him. So when, when they read that, when they heard this letter was from Paul, man, their hearts were like, wow, our, our, our father in the faith has, is reaching out to us. So understand their excitement. And, and, and so we see the sender, but we also see the recipients. We see, uh, who was coming. And notice what it says there. And again, maybe I'm making a bunch out of, out of just these first couple of verses, but I think there's some power there. He says to all the saints, in Christ Jesus, together with the overseer and deacons. Now, did anyone else, when you read that, does anyone else, the first thing that kind of pops in my mind is he, he says to all the saints, and then he separates the elders and deacons. Now, is what he's saying the elders and deacons aren't saints? No, I, I'm just kidding there. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. But he, he, he talks and starts with, and the first thing he says is the saints. I'm reaching out to the saints. Uh, you, you could just imagine as, as they read this letter in public, you could just imagine that some of the ones theirs, what what they must have, what the hearts must have, have been like when they heard Paul address them as saints. For for maybe Lydia was there. Lydia was the first convert. Her and her family was the first convert uh, uh, in in Philippi. And, and and when the letter starts out to all the saints, Lydia must have been sitting there thinking he's talking about me. And the Philippian jailer, you, you will read that in Acts chapter 16, who, 
who Paul had the opportunity to uh, to convert, he and his family, and they were baptized there while Paul was in prison. The Philippian jailer and his family must have looked at one another. He's talking about, he's talking to us. He's talking about us. Now, I want you to note a couple things. First of all, just how he starts out. He's, he starts out with addressing, first of all, to all the saints in Jewish culture as well as Roman or Greek culture. And let's just be honest, as well as in our culture, when you started started out to address someone, a, a group of people, normally you started with the most important people. Uh, so, so he kind of does this backward. You would have thought, they probably would have thought that he would have first said to the overseers and deacons and then added the saints. But he turns it backwards and he starts out with the people. Let me give you, give you an example. You've all have attended a, uh, a high school graduation, haven't you? And, and doesn't most graduation speeches start out like this? Uh, I don't know if Case is still up here. Case, listen, because when you do your valedictorian dress, address, you need to know um, what to say, but don't, don't most of them start out like this. They, they, they get up there and they, they straighten their tie and they get their notes out and then they say something like this. To administration, Pat, that's you. To administration, faculty, staff, school board. Maybe they throw mom and dad in there, fellow students. Don't they start with the most important people first? Now, now if we had some dignitaries here at church today, now I'm, I don't want to disappoint anyone if you thought you were dignitary, but I just didn't notice if you were, you're here. But but let's say the president were here today. We'd have a bunch of protesters outside if he were, but the president or the governor or a senator or a state representative or Pat Mahomes were here today, uh, we'd be like, hey, it's Sunday, you're playing in about an hour, you better get back to the stage. But but if someone famous were here and, and I, I open up the service, wouldn't, wouldn't I be really tempted to say, wow, it's Pat, great to have you here in church today. Wouldn't it be super to say, I think I'd be really tempted to say, Mr. Trump, President Trump, it's great having you here. But that's not what Paul did. He, he didn't start with the most important. He started with the common. He, and here's the second thing to note is, is what he called them. I, I don't think it was an accident that Paul did this. I think there was, there was forethought to it. He, he called them saints. He could have addressed them a number of ways. He could have said, Hey, church, hey, Believers, hey, converts, hey, Christ followers, hey, friends, hey, attendees. It was with forethought and purpose that Paul addressed them as uh, as saints, which literally means set apart, but but it also has a deeper connotation, kind of like what we think it does, and they would have understood that. See, we use we use the word saint very judiciously here in church. We we reserve that for just a few people. Normally it's an older lady that's been in the church all of her life that was a, a one of great, a person of great service and we'll, we'll say, well, she is such a saint. Do we notice we rarely say that about guys in the church that the men were the saints? I don't know if that means anything. Usually it's an older lady, uh, but, but the truth is maybe we should use that word more often. Paul did. If, if, if someone had addressed the church at Philippi and said, okay, say, who is a saint? Uh, who is a saint? They, they would have all, I think, unanimously said, hey, Paul. Man, Paul's a saint. Man, this, this guy, Paul. Man, that is a saint. And yet Paul calls them saints. He draws them in. He connects with them. He said, man, you guys are special. You guys are special. And I thank God for you. Uh, Father Damien was a Be- Belgian missionary in Hawaii. 
uh, about 150 years ago. Uh, he, he went to the island of, of Molokai and he, he planted several churches there on the main part of the island. And then, then he heard of a, a section of the island that was just on one corner. The only way you could get to it was, was to scale down a cliff or go through it via boat in the ocean. But it was a part of the island that was separated and it's where a leper colony, colony lived. And so, so, so Father Damien decided that he was going to go there. And so, so he boated over to that part of the island and ended up establishing several churches in that part of the island as well. And for 15 years, he lived among the people. One morning, Father Damien was, was cooking his breakfast and accidentally spilled some hot boiling water that hit his foot. And when it hit his foot, he didn't feel anything. And for a second, it shocked him and surprised him. And then, and then it began, it, reality started to hit him. So he took some of the hot boiling water, as weird as this seems, and, and he poured a little bit of it purposely on his foot. And he didn't feel anything. And he knew that meant only one thing, that he too had leprosy, that he had lost the feeling. That next Sunday morning, he stood before the church. And normally he started his Sunday service by saying this, my fellow believers. But that Sunday morning, he stood up and said, my fellow lepers. In a sense, in, in, in just this simple little greeting as Paul starts to the saints, He's, he's inviting us all in. He's, he's saying, hey, I, I'm one of you. You're one of me. We, we are, we are set apart for, for Christ. He, he goes on, and I'm not going to really touch on this, but he does address and adds into that the, the leadership, the elders, the deacons, the ones that were in part in leadership. So, so we see the personal greeting. And, and then if you'll follow along in the next verses, we see the partnership. He talks about partnership. I thank God every time I remember you. Verse 3, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Your partnership in the gospel. Let's look at the content of what, what, what's he really talking about there. The, the word for partnership is the Greek word koinonia. Um, some of your verses, if you have the King James Version here this morning, you may notice that it said their fellowship. Instead of partnership, it said fellowship. Let, let me, let me try to explain this because partnership seems a, Seems a little bit cold and fellowship almost seems a little too churchy there to get the idea or the thought that he meant. So let me try to, let me try to illustrate what this is, this is about. Um, and I promise that this will hopefully be my only Hawaii story. For those that heard last week, I, Charlie Watkins doesn't like me anymore because I was in Hawaii, but, uh, but, uh, uh, Reed and I last Saturday went on a, uh, a dinner cruise to the Nepali coast of Kauai. It's kind of the northwest coast. If you've seen the first Jurassic Park movie, one of the canyons that's shown in that, we got to see that from one of the King Kong movies, the, the, the skull looking of, of, of King Kong. It, we saw that rock and it, some of the waterfalls. It was, it was a beautiful, a beautiful deal. And we got on this, this catamaran. I don't know. There was 40, 50, 60 people on the catamaran with us and, and kind of a side note. As we got on, there was one lady that got on was just somewhat obnoxious. I don't know if that would be you, if any of you did that, but, but she got on. I think she had already started celebrating the day before she got on at two o'clock. Note to self, if you ever go to Hawaii, if you ever do an ocean, anything, don't celebrate too much before you get on. Uh, cause she was loud and obnoxious and I told Rita, she'll be the first one to throw up. Nailed it. She was. <laughs> she spent the rest of the, the tour, which was five hours long. At the back of the boat, uh, uh, feeding the fish. But, uh, <laughs> so, so there were, there, 
and she wasn't throwing bread. Uh, the, uh, there was 30, 30 or 40, 50 people of us on, uh, on the ship. So we're all involved in this catamaran for the same reason. We're, we're going to go have this dinner. We're going to see the sunset. We're going to go see the polycosis. We're, in a sense, we were, we were partners. We were in partnership. But that's not really koinonia. That's not really koinonia. It's close, but it's not there. Now, in, in our group of 40 or 50, there was a group of about 20 that were there for the same reason. They were there to celebrate a wedding. There was going to be a wedding the next Tuesday. They were all family and friends that were, the, the lady that was at the back of the boat, she was part of that group. So there was about 20 of those people that were there for the same reason. They're all celebrating this wedding, wedding. And so, so they were their own little group there. And in a sense, there was a partnership. They were all there for the same reason. That's why they were in, in, uh, on the boat there that day. And that's getting pretty close to Koinonia. But I don't think that's, I don't even think that's right. But then there were Reed and I. And we were on the catamaran because, because we're old. Because we had turned 60 this year. We decided we we're going to celebrate. And time's getting short, so we better go, you know, while we still know our names. And, and, and so, so we, as well as that, we were, our, our 40th anniversary is coming up this next summer. So kind of our 60 and 40, and we decided, and the truth is, we were a pair on that, that ship that shared nothing, something that no one else did. We, cause we've done life together for, for four, two thirds of our years. We have been married together. That, that's, that is as close as you can get to this idea uh, of koinonia when Paul says, I pray with joy because of our partnership. And notice how Paul's pulling them in. He said, I, I'm, not, I'm not this saint that's way over here. Way up here is, hey, we're, we're doing this together. Let me, let me kind of illustrate that just a little bit more. This idea of doing church together. Reed and I really experienced that the last couple weeks. I know some of you know what this is like, and you've you've expressed this to me. Uh, the, the truth is, we we love this church, and we love this body of believers, and we love doing church and doing life, and and walking with Jesus together with this group. And when we aren't here physically, there is a a sense of hurt in your heart. We felt that the last two Sundays when we're not in this body. If you don't, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't feel that, talk to me, and I'll let you know what you need to start doing. So you feel that when, when you're not in, in, in the fellowship. But we had a wonderful thing that happened. They, they decided to, can they see me? They, they decided to, to go FaceTime live. I think that really was for the band so they could see themselves play. But, but, uh, but, but we watched the, is that right by? I, I nailed it, didn't I? Uh, but we got to watch church the last two Sundays. Now, the first Sunday we were in Honolulu, we woke up, Five-hour time difference. We were, we were awake at 3.30, just waiting. Is it time for church yet? It's time for church. But at 5 o'clock, we, we dialed in and we watched the service. And now, last Sunday, we actually had to set our alarm to get up at 5 o'clock to watch the service. But, man, it was so cool to, to be able to watch it. Not, not like being here, but it was cool to watch it. But but the first Sunday, two weeks ago, when the service was over, whoever was doing the, the uh, I guess it was you, what, <laughs> left it on for a while. And so when the service was over, it kept going. And Rita and I were laying in bed. Now, I don't encourage you to skip church and watch it on there, but that's kind of cool. Do you just lay in bed and watch church and, and then go back to sleep? But, uh, uh, but don't do that. But if you're sick, it's okay. Uh, 
But we're laying there watching it. When the service was over, someone walked by. I believe Carrie must have been over here. And Carrie walked by. And Rita, looked, was, look, we're looking at her phone. Rita says, hi, Carrie. <laughs> and then Bobby walked off the stage. And she said, hi, Bobby. And, and then I think Bruce came down and said, hi, Bruce. And someone else walked by. And she said, hi. It was about the fifth person. I finally just kind of giggled. And I said, Rita, they can't hear you. Uh, and but, but when I did that, I looked over. And, and uh now, now, part of this was because, you know, he was kind of being a little bit goofy, and she knew it. But I looked over, and she had the biggest smile on her face. And part of it was, hey, even though we're 2,500 miles away and five hours' time difference, and, and in a different world, there's church. There's, there's a connection. There's partnership. Um, it was no small thing when Paul said, I pray with joy because of your partnership. I pray with joy because we are one. There is a fellowship. There is a a connection when we're together. Um, He goes on and and, uh, we talked the content there, but he talks also about the the confidence. And and notice what he he says there. Uh, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Being confident of this, that he who started will will complete it. Now, who was he talking about there with that confidence? Now, I'll be honest, I'm not 100% sure. What was, was he talking about confidence in Paul? Was Paul talking about himself? Hey, I'm confident of this. Was he talking about God? Well, God is confident. We should be confident in God. Was he talking about the church at Philippi? Well, you should have a confidence that this should happen. And maybe, maybe yes, maybe yes to all of those in a certain way. But what was partnership? Partnership is is sharing together. It's being in the the gospel, and that's what he says. The, the 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 partnership in the gospel. So the confidence that Paul is talking about there, I think, is is the confidence in this simple message. It's the simple message that Jesus saves. We'll see in chapter two in a few weeks where 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 we're told to be like Jesus, to have a mind like Jesus, to 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 try to be and live just like he does. We're to partner that good news. That's the confidence in the grace of Jesus. My, my brother, older brother Rick, at a high school got a job for the Illinois Central Golf Railroad. He, uh, he was an apprentice for about six months or a year. I'm not sure what it was before he turned out and, and, uh, made a little bit more money than quit the job and went to, went to college. But, but, uh, part of his job, one of the things he did there at the shop was to build and repair boxcars for the railroad. And, one of the things he learned how to do, or they like tried to teach him how to do, was to weld. And and my brother was really struggling with that. It wasn't a natural a natural skill for him. And so he had a guy that was training him and teaching him. And 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 as the days went on, and, and Rick would continue to try to weld, and it just wouldn't go real well. He began to start getting a little bit nervous about it, and 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 have some apprehension. And finally, the guy recognized that it was going on, recognized that Rick just wasn't having a good time. And in fact, the, the longer he, he, he worked at it, the worse he got because he was so, so stressed over. And finally the guy told him, Hey, just relax. I've got you. I'm not going to let anything come out of this shop that's not ready to go. See, Rick was, was terrified that he'd send a box car out and it would rupture and grain would go spilling everywhere and he would be at fault. And the guy finally said, nothing's going to go out here except what I test and make sure is fine. There is a confidence there. If you mess it up, I will fix any flaw. Maybe that's the confidence he's talking about, is that God's grace is enough. 
Guys, we can just rest in that confidence that, that he will complete things that he needs to complete. And finally, the, the challenge. I, I don't have time to really touch much on that, but the challenge is we, we need to be like Paul. Paul prays with joy, and Paul prays with a, a sense of thanksgiving. And finally, let's look at one last thing, and I'll, I'll just go quickly here. Paul talks about this prayer, verse 9, and this is my prayer. And, and he talks two things. He says that your love may abound, that we would love greatly. Paul, Paul lets the church there know, I'm praying that you will love greatly like Jesus. And then finally he says, I'm praying that you will discern wisely. That you will discern wisely. Paul starts this letter out, and, and, and this is a powerful letter. I encourage you to be reading Philippians. One of the easiest books to read. Four chapters are all short, packed with powerful stuff. You'll be underlining left and right in this book. Great stuff that Paul talks about. But he starts it off by saying, I thank God. I thank God. And, and, and we see that in his greeting. We see that in his partnership. And we see that in his prayer. It was 1997, the first the first time uh, I went to Mexico on a mission trip, uh, I was in uh, uh, pastoring the church at Rushville. Johnny, you guys can come on up uh, now. I was pastoring a church in in Rushville, and and we got a group together to go to uh, to Mexico. Wonderful trip. I just had a had a great time. The very last night of the mission trip, we we gathered at the church. And those of you that are in the know that have went with us last uh, last year. It was, uh, or last couple of years, it was the church at Galeana, uh, and we were staying there. And so we had, we had a service that night. We actually were going to get up early the next morning to leave to drive home. And, and, and Ralph and Susie Bersiaga, the missionaries there, the pastors there, gave us a, a little concert. It was just a, I mean, it was a powerful time together. And, and as we were winding the night up, I was leading the devotion, and I, I made a comment to the group there. I made a comment to the people, well, well, let's take some time, and if there's something that you want to, Want to say to someone as part of the group, there's, there's some thanks you want to give, some acknowledgement you want to give, something you noticed this week. Here, just take some time and share that. And the first person that kind of raised their hand, I, I called on them. They said, Hey, I, I, I want to thank Ann. Ann Brewer was, I don't know, 65, 66 at the time. Ann was new to our church, uh, a recent widow, uh, uh, and a widower and, and, uh, she had just started coming back to church and getting involved and and uh and she was for the most part that week our cook and, and the person raised their hand i just want to thank ann she has just done a great job of cooking and for those of you who have gone with our group uh it was different then i mean ann cooked big old meals and baking cookies every day we did that a few other years after that as well but i mean she she just took took that on and and, and did what the truth is we had a little more time to make that happen too but, uh, and, and they said that and Ann, I looked over to Ann and she's kind of has her head down but she's smiling and, and the next person raised her hand and I called on them and said hey I, I kind of same thing I want to thank Ann I appreciate Ann I just appreciate her being here like getting to know her and I appreciate that every time I we got back from the work site or and went to the restrooms the, the trash was all cleaned out and the floors were mopped because every day Ann would do all that kind of stuff, the grunt work that none of us else wanted to do. And I looked over to Ann and she's, her head's still down, but she's smiling ear to ear. And then the next person raised their hand and I called on them. I said, you know, I just want to thank Ann. 
I think I'm seeing a, a, you know, a theme here. Uh, I just want to thank Ann. I just appreciate her smile. Man, every day she was such an encouragement. And now I looked over to Ann. There's tears coming down her face. That smile's still there. Her head's up now. See, see, Ann went on that trip, and she didn't know, know us very well yet. And she was 65, and she, she doubted whether she could handle the trip. She she wasn't used to being in that kind of environment. In fact, she had these doubts of, you know, am I going to go and be in the way? And am I going to be a bother? You know, and, are people going to be upset that I'm on the trip? And, and here at the end of the trip, people are just basically saying, Ann, you're, you're our partner. Now, now she didn't, she didn't work on the work projects and she didn't help out with the BBS. But they're saying, Ann, I thank God for you because you're part of the group. Paul starts his letter, this powerful letter that we'll see. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about their relationship, Paul's relationship with the church at Philippi and all that. But, but Paul basically starts it out and says to the church, Hey, we're partners. We are partners. We're together. I thank God for you. I, I, with as much sincerity as I can let you know this morning, want you to know that Rita and I thank God. Thank God. And if we didn't know it before, we certainly knew it the last two weeks. Laying in bed watching church. <laughs> we thank God for this church. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you uh, for the letter of Philippians and Paul's relationship. Father, I thank you for the exciting things that we're going to learn from him in the next few weeks. Uh, as your, your word will challenge us. Father, I thank you for this body, this church, these believers. Uh, Father, encourage us, lift us up. Let us serve you in Jesus' name.